0: Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exorcise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Tessa Suela, and with me are Dr. Sam Morris. Hello. And Andy Bowman. Hello. Joining us today is longtime friend of the pod and first time guest, Jack.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: We're so happy to have you on.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: So we were inspired by Sam's reviews of Chungking Express and Fallen Angels a few weeks ago, as well as by Tony Leung's brilliant performance in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. So we decided to dedicate an episode to the brilliant and unconventional Wong Kar Wai, a master of Hong Kong cinema, known for his lush visuals and overall extravagant vibes. Yes, I did make up that phrase myself. You're welcome, world. Wong Kar Wai has an enormous influence on filmmaking, so this episode we're going to discuss three of his films. So let's go ahead and dive right into the first film we're going to talk about today, As Tears Go By, which I just watched for the first time a couple of nights ago. So As Tears Go By is Wong Kar Wai's directorial debut. It is a 1988 Hong Kong crime drama film. It stars Andy Lau, Maggie Chung, and Jackie Chung. The film's focus is on Wa, an enforcer, and debt collector for a mob, and his relationships. As he grows closer with Noor, a a distant relation by marriage, he starts to see a life for himself outside of the mob, but his wild protege Fly keeps needing his help to get out of trouble, dragging him inevitably towards a dark fate. All right, let's go ahead and start with you, Jack. Have you seen As Tears Go By?
1: I have, and... What I can say is, or my question is, is it the better 80s movie that plays Take My Breath Away?
0: So, uh, <laughs> so Sam, Sam has an entire rant about how it's Take My Breath. You described it as a rant I earlier. I that. I
2: said it was a monologue.
0: He has a monologue. Let's just put it that way. A dramatic monologue about how Take My Breath Away is used in that soundtrack. Are we ready to hear no, Sam's monologue, ready, or do we need no. to build up to it a little bit? No, you, you need to talk about the film more. Okay, let's talk about the film first. Uh, so, Jack, this is... I, I was surprised because even though this is his first film, it is very different than In the Mood for Love, which we're going to talk about in 2046. It definitely leans into that crime drama aspect of it and I turned to Sam after the film was over and I actually said I think this is better than Scorsese what do you think about that statement
1: I it's definitely a big statement I (laughs) um, for it being his first like basically his first film and I think it's definitely a really good um, gangster movie inspired by the works of Scorsese and others of that year. Definitely. I've always found his movies to be different genres. And I think this is definitely a gangster movie, but not enough people have seen. So I don't think you're completely wrong.
3: And Jack, you are sure this is not the name of a, uh, of an American soap opera as tears go by just sounds very much like a soap opera.
1: And definitely has that feel.
2: Andy, it, it isn't the title of a soap opera, but you know what it is—the title of what—a Rolling Stones song. No, I mean, it's that's not. that's it.
3: That's what the—that's a lie. Is. You're lying.
2: It is not. It is very much not but a Rolling lie.
3: Stones. Isn't re- isn't even a real band? Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, you got me there. I, mean, like... <laughs> I know you. Surprisingly, though, I learned this just today, and I know that you've read more about Wang Kar Wai than the rest of us have, Jack, but. I learned today that he did actually start out writing in soap operas before he went into films. I think that that lends itself to the relationships in his films, which are always so poignant and so relatable. Even the the most dysfunctional relationships in his films make sense. And I think that in this film, even though Wah and Noor have this like, they have nothing in common with each other, but you still really believe that they belong together or that they really love each other. And part of that is, of course, the soundtrack. But I was wondering what you thought about that central relationship in the film.
1: Yeah, once you kind of get over, like, the fact that they're kind of loided, I think it has kind of a soapy, but also feels like a realistic relationship that is. Ability to tell romance is probably something that just always draws me to his movies. They Even if the plot isn't necessarily romantic, there's
3: always romance in his stories. And like wordless romance, too, at least in the one we'll talk about later. uh, It blew me away.
0: We also get to see a very young Maggie Chung in this, who, of course, will also be in the mood for love. I wasn't expecting her in this movie. I don't know why I didn't realize that she was in this movie at first, but even at this point, she still has the the looks down. Like, I feel like there's a lot of looking in Wong Kar Wai films, and you can start to see it here, even though it's not quite as evolved as it'll become in In the Mood for Love.
1: I've seen another movie that she's in from this time period in her life called, um, called Police Story. It's a Jackie Chan movie, and she plays his love interest in that, so she, her being able to look at people is, makes her a very, an actress that has a lot to bring to the table, in my opinion.
2: A really quick question Which movie is better, Police Story or Super Cop? I have not seen Super
1: Cop, so I can't. Because find we
2: were, we were just in the Bronx. talking about that one the other day. That's the one that uh, Michelle Yeo's in.
0: Yeah, that's the one she talks about with right. Jackie Chan, where she kept doing stunts.
2: I'm I'm trying to get Tessa into some uh, some of the Jackie Chan movies. There, what are you Operation even getting Condor. into? That's the that is the one with the Nazi wind tunnel, isn't it? Yes. I was tr- I was just Tessa. Was I not just telling you the other day about the movie that I like to call "Fun in a Nazi Wind Tunnel"? I don't know what the <laughs> t- I couldn't remember what the title was.
0: Yeah, Supercop is the one where she said... She's talking about working with Jackie Chan, and she said that there's a stunt she does in that one where she, like, jumps a motorcycle on top of a train, and Jackie Chan told her to cool it with the stunts because every time she did a stunt, he had to do one that was better than her because he's Jackie Chan. So I I thought that was funny.
3: Oh, well, and just remember, Jackie Chan is a well-known asshole, so... Uh... Well,
0: Michelle Yeoh apparently puts him in his place, so... As she should. What do we think about? Uh, I mean, there's so many like things, and as tears goes, as tears go by, that I think grow into the later films of Wang Kar Y. But what about sort of the? I'm trying to think. Uh, the The narrative of this film almost seems tighter than the narratives of previous or the other films that I've seen, and I wonder if it's because this is a more traditional crime drama. But to me there's sort of an element of fate in this film. Like the idea that, like, Fly... Like, the Godfather tells Wa at the beginning, like, Fly is going to get you killed someday. And, like, the idea that, like, he's torn between Nor and Fly as these two separate, like, possibilities, but, like, it's also inevitable that he's always going to choose Fly. I thought that was really interesting, especially considering the themes in In the Mood for Love.
1: Yeah, I would say... It is looking at his filmography, it is probably one of his more straightforward in terms of having the most plot of his stories versus mood and moments and so it definitely and I agree on the fate thing it they the kind of push and pull, but you kind of always know where he's gonna end up, probably because we've seen stories like that before.
0: It seems more like a classic tragedy in that way, yeah. All right, Sam.
3: Did he not do this when we covered Wonkar Y the other week?
0: No. Nope. This is a deep dive. This is all new,
3: Andy. It's all, all new. All new. All new. Yeah. Uh, all right. So is this gonna sell me on making uh, as tears go by the next Wonkar Y film I watch? Because right now uh, a certain website can is helping me find the uh, the proper cut of uh, the Grandmaster. So all right. Okay. You, you, you got to sell me on this, Sam. Right, what exactly this. about this movie is good? And why is this needle drop better than the amazing needle drop in In the Mood for Love?
2: All right. So go ahead. Strap in. Buckle up. Give me five minutes and I, I've got you convinced. All right. So here I'm we buckled. go. buckled. All right. In the Mood for Love may, in fact, be the best Wong Kar Wai movie. I'll give you that. It is not my favorite. And it is not the one that you should start with. But if you've already seen In the Mood for Love, As Tears Go By is the next one to watch. Like I said, it's my favorite. And here's why. Throughout human history. <laughs> wait, did you just pull up cue cards? I didn't. This is all up here in my head. This is what goes on. So throughout human history, as long as we've been doing written stories, for most of the time, we, we've been doing them through poetry, right? And... You can't use a lot of words. With novelists, they use all the words, and that's why it was considered low art for a long time. But, you know, poets, people who tell stories with very few words have to do things to generate ideas and emotions. You know, Shakespeare kind of had a workaround by just saying, all right, this actor's just going to talk about his feelings for a while. It's a cheat. But most of the time we use things, you know, like imagery and illusions and all that kind of stuff, right? So when we get to film once we get into the silent era, right, and into the beginning of the talking era, one of the big improvements in film that we get that allows us to pack a lot of story into a little bit of time is the montage, right? We get that from Eisenstein and people like Capra use it. We get the newspaper headlines and all that stuff. And then when we started using non-diegetic music in films, it really wasn't anything. It was just orchestral stuff that gave emotion right define non-diegetic so that's a very good point diegetic sound is sound that is on the screen it is natural to the screen like in chung express which you haven't seen the mamas and the papas plays diegetic she pushes play on the tape and it starts playing it then gradually becomes non-diegetic because we hear it but it isn't in the scene So that's what non-diegetic music is. If you watch a classic film, which, Andy, I know you hate, that's the orchestral music going on in the background of all those early black-and-white movies that you don't watch. Now, it isn't until a little bit later that we actually have entire things being written for movies. And, you know, you think about something like The Graduate, which is where we start to really get pop songs as soundtracks for movies. You know, Simon and Garfunkel wrote a ton of stuff for that movie, and then we started to combine things. Like combining the montage and the soundtrack and you know the Rocky movies are the best place to talk about this. Because you can pack so much emotion into a couple of minutes with a scene that takes place over a long period of time with a track that's meant to evoke certain emotion. It's cheap, it's easy, it works. What makes Wong Kar Wai so good is he doesn't need the montage. He can just show you a scene or a couple of scenes and do more with that and a good song than most people can do with a montage and a song. That's what the version of Take My Breath Away in As Tears Goes By does. It packs in that emotion. But here's the other thing. It's also very clearly an allusion to Top Gun. You're supposed to remember that scene. There are other allusions to Top Gun t- as tears go by. Hurling stuff into the ocean, that's from Top Gun, right? Okay. Your wingman, uh, supporting your wingman above all else, that's from
3: Top Gun. And if someone in this podcast hasn't seen Top Gun, how would you describe Top Gun? W- what is Top Gun about? I'm going to choose to just push
2: on and ignore that. <laughs> um here's the here's the thing though. That I, when I first saw As Tears Go By, I lost it. It was the first Wong Kar-wai movie I saw. I lost it in that scene. It was just it is one of the best scenes in film of all time for me because of that needle drop. Because and I hate the term needle drop, but I'm using it anyway. But because of that, and it just keeps going. You think, okay, it's one scene, and he just keeps bringing it back. And it's so, so great. But here's what I think is really incredible about it. So that scene in As Tears Go By is an allusion to Top Gun. Scenes that weren't originally in Top Gun. They were reshoots done six months after the fact. They tested the movie there were a couple of different things that went into it, but they dragged Tony Scott in to reshoot this film, and it's so awkward because both of the actors had moved on to other things. That's why Charlie in Top Gun's wearing a, a a ball cap, and they shoot the epic love scene that is scored to "Take My Breath Away" in shadow with low light because you can't; it's hiding and it's terrible and it's obvious, and they just shoehorn this love plot into Top Gun. And Wong Kar Wai knows this and still uses it as the emotional reference point. Because in a lesser director's movie, this love scene is also shoehorned in. Because it it's meant to create an emotional connection to this character. It's supposed to give it that tragic element. But unlike in Top Gun, he sells it. He sells this other version of Take My Breath Away that starts off in this weird key, and when it goes into the key change, goes into a weirder key, and it is somehow more emotionally affecting than its original referent. When you can do all that in your first movie, I don't know what else there is to say. That's that's somebody who just said, all right, I'm going to make a movie, and I'm going to make it better than just about everybody else does first time out, and he did.
3: The end. So, but this is, that the only song I know from Top Gun is Danger Zone. So is, is that the one you're talking about? Have I just been wrong about the title of this song for years? No, you, you haven't. Um, Although,
2: fun fact, Danger Zone was originally supposed to be recorded by Toto, the folks who brought you Africa and Rosanna, but there was a rights dispute towards the end. So Kenny Loggins stepped in and did Archer proud.
0: All right, anyone want to add anything else about as tears go by after that lovely plug by Sam?
2: Today was a long day, okay?
1: (laughs) I don't think so. I think we kind of covered it all.
0: All right, so let's talk just really briefly about how we all were introduced to Wong Kar Wai. Jack, how did you first encounter this director?
1: I threw the trailer for... My Blueberry Nights, um, which is his one English speaking film. I was a big Nord Jones fan and came across this trailer and I was like, what is this? I didn't end up seeing the movie, but I was just curious what it is. And then, but the name stuck out. And then I, being a movie person, saw that In the Mood for Love is considered one of the best movies of this century. So I. Wine bought it and watched it and fell in love and have been watching his movies ever since.
0: Sam, how were you introduced to Wong Kar Wai?
2: I did mention this on the podcast last time, so I'll just say again: it was a documentary made by Jonathan Ross, British personality, and, and you know he just talked about his favorite Asian directors, and Wong Kar was on that. That's how I also discovered Mister Old Boy himself. So. A lot, of, a lot of good that did me. It was a good time.
0: Andy, what about you? Was it our benevolent influence on your life? Or had you <laughs> encountered Wong Kar Wai before?
3: Benevolent. That's th- th- that is a word. It's not the one I would use. So uh, there's a YouTube channel called Cinefix. I really love Cinefix. Uh, it is now Cinefix IGN Movies and TV because it got bought out by IGN. But they make amazing top 10 lists, like really, really good top 10 lists. So In the Mood for Love was mentioned as one of their top 10 most emotional films of all time and one of their uh, top 10 most beautiful films of all time. So because of that, I added *Wang Kar Wai to the list. And that is pretty much it right there. Or, uh, with, with uh, It's not most beautiful. It's uh, best use of color.
0: Yes. And we're definitely going to talk about that here in a second. Mine is pretty boring in comparison. I, too, also saw that Wong Kar Wai was not a lot of best film lists, best needle drop list, as uh, Sam mentioned. But it really wasn't until the last couple of years that I really tried to start watching a lot more Hong Kong cinema. And Sam was definitely like, Wong Kar Wai, we, we have to hit Wong Kar Wai on this. And I have just been obsessed with him this past year. His films have definitely been getting me through this very difficult time, and I plan on watching more of them probably before the end of the year. So, let's move on to the one that he's probably most famous for, as, as we have mentioned, In the Mood for Love, which is a 2000 romantic drama written, produced, and directed by Wang Kar Wai, and stars the one and only Tony Leung in perhaps his most famous role and Maggie Chung. It focuses on a relationship between Chao Mo Wan, a journalist, and Su Li Shen, a secretary, who are next-door neighbors and realize that their respective spouses are having an affair with each other. Jack, tell us about this movie. I
1: mean, it's hard to describe it. Um, just very sensual, without ever acting on it. It's definitely a movie full of desire and. When I was reading a book recently about his movies, there was a quote in it from him about this movie, and he actually describes it as a Hitchcockian suspense movie in terms of and includes the fact that the romance, but basically the movie is kind of like a detective story in his mind and who they just kind of fall for each other while they're trying to figure out this mystery, which I thought was very interesting description of the movie, because I hadn't ever thought of it as that way, but it made total sense. There's gorgeous color, gorgeous music, and lots of sexual
3: attention.
0: Lots of sexual attention, Lots of longing in this film. Andy, you had never seen this film before.
3: They call that Tony leung T-
0: Tony leung uh, I also found out this week, because of Shang-Chi, that Tony Leung in China is known as the man who speaks with his eyes, which is the perfect nickname for him, just perfect. Andy, you had never seen this movie before. What were your thoughts, you and Sarah? Uh
3: Oh, oh, you, you, you think she saw this movie with me? You, 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 think, you think I didn't watch this with my mistress instead?
0: With your mistress? Yes. It was Bard, wasn't it? You watched it with Bard.
3: I did watch it with my Corky. Oh. <laughs> So, uh this 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 movie was uh phenomenal and it's a movie I really wish I had seen at an earlier point in my life when I was um in a uh a, a relationship similar to the one shown here. I uh, I won't delve further in to that because it makes me seem like a bad person. Um so oh man, it is first of all the way that One Car wai frames every shot is phenomenal many of the times that we're here the way and the way it's framed we're actually not in the same room we're looking through a curtain or a window or some bars we, we're looking into an alleyway we as the viewer are outside staring into this r- relationship and these two people who have both <laughs> a crazy sense of humor about the fact that their uh, spouses are cheating on each other but also a, a genuine affection for each other and, and well wishes. And it, it's difficult to, to, to really talk about how... I, I, I have no idea what 1960s China was like. Uh, I really have no idea what 1960s China was like. I, I do not know what the terms of marriage were uh, normally there, right? Like if people... If it was arranged marriages, if it's a marriage of convenience... Uh, if it's, uh, a, a marriage for love, a marriage for affection, like I, I don't know the state of this, but then the decision to not show the spouses who are cheating on each other of these main characters, it just blew me away and, uh, somehow it is sexy, but it's also claustrophobic unless the two lead characters are in their little, um, maybe love nest maybe not i don't know you never really know if they've done anything if they've actually uh had an affair or is this an emotional thing are they just playing this out in their heads to see what it was like how it all started it it's so great and it just felt like going through a pool of warm water
0: sam what do you think of in the mood for love
3: well while sam is getting uh, come back to
0: me come back to you yeah okay.
3: yeah well Sam well, Sam's getting thoughts i want to mention that it also uses a spanish language version of the theme song for the stephen moffat show coupling at just the right time and uh i i had watched coupling at a time in my and at that time in my life so it was a very surreal experience it was also the perfect needle drop for that moment um i do not know the name of the song it goes perhaps 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 you uh, just or
1: that is what it is called
3: okay well yeah, that I, is I, the name I, of the song yeah. i i i i nailed i nailed it on the head there yeah um phenomenal fin Phen- phenomenal use of that song when it hit and, and just the sense of humor like there's such a dry sense of humor to to the way he's looking at this couple as they're trying to figure out life and then um Yeah. Yeah. Just so sad. And it's it's like it's like one of those French movies with the smoking, except it's good. You know, I'm not
2: one to agree with Andy, (laughs) but I was just before you said that, I was like, it's one of those other kinds of but it's good. And I can't believe you said that. I mean, I think that's the that's one of the best takeaways of this movie. It's like it's such a downer of a movie in a lot of ways, but you don't really feel that way. You know, he, he does this good job of kind of tricking you into falling for it, for falling for those those uh, emotions that aren't aren't great, but he makes you feel differently about them. And by the way, I just, you know, a PSA, you should never drop your needle on a record. <laughs> There's a little slider that you can use on most good record players that just allows it to ease into place. You'll hurt your record if you drop the hard pointy thing directly on it don't
3: drop your needle friends but do drop the needle into the grooves properly of a um i i had something but then i thought about ketamine and i just decided to <laughs> to, to, to 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 be to be quiet because
0: just by thinking about it huh
3: but the phrase needle makes me think of ketamine. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay? I
0: see. I see. I would describe this movie as just so beautiful. You want to live in it. Like, it's just like it feels like a
3: what? No, no. It is too hot. They do not have AC there. Okay. <laughs> I, it is summertime right now. I want to live in that. No, 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 no. You saw how small those apartments are, too. No. No, Tessa. Oh my no. gosh,
0: I love the scene where they're trapped in his room and the with the mahjong game that just has like the rotating group of people that like they're they keep playing this game and people are like leaving to go to work and like coming back from work and they go out to get food and they come back like I just I, that is such a great scene. It the the two apartments just Ugh, they get me. But I was doing a little bit of reading about this, and apparently Wong Kar Wai was trying to recreate 1960s Hong Kong to the best of his memory because he had really great nostalgia for 1960s Hong Kong, and he refused to use any like special effects or pre-built sets. Like He just kept trying to find places in Hong Kong where they could actually just shoot it and make it look like it was 1960s and apparently Tony Leung and uh, Maggie Chung both had issues because both of them were slightly younger than Wong Kar Wai and didn't actually remember the time period as well as he did and he was trying to recreate it so faithfully but uh, honestly it does feel like stepping into a different era a different world but I say that in the sense that the world feels very lived in like i've never been to hong kong i wasn't alive during the 60s but i felt like i knew this place that he is This sounds created. like you're
3: trying to cover up Tessa.
0: <laughs>
3: preemptively for when my body is found in hong kong
0: <laughs> i have never yeah, been there also what's up with the color green in this movie
3: i didn't watch the um i didn't watch the criterion cut so i didn't get the green Oh full. no you
0: didn't watch the remaster
3: yeah, I'm I'm fine with that.
0: He worked hard on that remaster, Andy. The
3: the cinematographer did not like the remaster.
0: What did you think about the difference between the original cut and the remaster, Jack? It's a point of contention apparently.
1: I was going to say uh, that when this uh the box set came out this year, that was something that he said he like went through all the movies and said what was being tweaked and some of the coloring was changing because Some of the um, footage, like the original footage, wasn't preserved as well. I just find the use of colors throughout his films gorgeous. So I just kind of rolled within. It didn't bother me as much as it seemed to bother other people that I've seen online.
0: Uh, It just feels so vibrant, all of his films do. Like, they're just, they're almost like crawling out of the screen sometimes.
3: Like The Grudge? No,
0: Andy... Man, could you imagine oh, sorry, if sorry. Ron Carney made a horror film? What would that even the, look like? Sorry,
3: the Ringu, not 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 the Grudge. Uh, <laughs> I I've never seen either one of those, so I don't I don't know. It it it, it was it was beautiful. I would love to see this like even better uh, remastered in, in full like HDR um, dynamic lighting. But chances are we'll probably never actually get that because uh, this film is a fickle mistress as far as preservation goes.
0: It's true. All right. Favorite Wong Kar Wai tropes. Jack, what are some of your favorite things that you've noticed that Wong Kar Wai does in his films?
1: I, as much as I'd love, the obvious thing is obviously the, his use of music as just kind of a break in the action, but I will choose the kind of shaky camera when he's, showing action or like movement. I find that very interesting and kind of unique to him. So I will say the sense of
3: movement in his movies.
0: Andy, you've only seen one film, but
3: right. And I can give you all my favorite tropes from that film. Okay. I like that. He had, I like that he cast all Asian actors.
0: (laughs) Right, Representation matters, Andy.
3: Right. It, it it does. Uh, I like the use of Asian cuisine. I, I, Okay, uh there 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 was one one background actor who I looked at and I just knew I'd seen him in a ton of other things and uh he's his actual credit is like the man living at Mr. Koo's house. Like he doesn't even have a name. So so like like that that was really cool. Um I I really really loved the way of just the how the camera made us look into this. I uh, I'm hoping that his other films have uh have play with this camera thing a lot but yeah you're you're right i i have not seen his movies so i can't tell you the tropes i can only imagine them okay i i i imagine that the um the uh judgmental landlady neighbor i i think she was land i don't i don't i don't know It, it it's a weird setup um I I would like to think that that exact same character pops in everywhere, right? Like like in every single I mean you are talking about even like the grandmaster the the martial arts film like like I just I I don't know this it felt like a um I felt like I was watching the farewell again and it, it was really good. I got nothing to say. I why why would you let me talk about the tropes? You shouldn't have let me talk, Tessa. This That's is all, your fault. It's all right.
2: We'll edit it out. Don't worry. So, they're not going to edit it out. <laughs> well. So, uh, uh Jack, if you'll be if you if you were so kind to defer the musical trope, I'll pick that up for you. So, I, you know, my my favorite trope from the films is the gently put the needle down on the vinyl using the intended record mechanism trope, which you know, so we've already had the the cover of Take My Breath Away. There is
3: also... Wait, wait. Is Take My Breath Away another way of saying suck my kiss? Have you ever been to a concert by the
2: California funk rock band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Never. Okay. Well, you're going to hell for lots of other reasons, but that's neither here nor there. So you have Take My Breath Away in As Tears Go By. You have the, the dual drop in Chungking Express of uh, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. You also have Dreams by the Cranberries. In, uh as you mentioned already, in The Mood for Love, you have the Nat King Cole Kizas. And I have been assured that there is in fact a version of the Turtles happy together in his film. Happy Together, which is the next one I want to see. So I'm already looking forward to that in advance.
1: Do you know who sings the uh, version of Dreams in Chungking Express?
2: Wait a minute. Is that is that one a I'm, – I'm trying to remember. Is, is that one – that one's a cover too, isn't it?
1: Yep. And do you know who's covering it?
2: No, I don't.
1: It's Fei Wang who's playing the that's... person in the scene.
2: Okay, that's cool. Yep. That's cool. That's really cool.
0: Also, great use of jukeboxes. That kind of goes along with what you were just saying. But there's so many jukeboxes. Like, there's one in Fallen Angels that that gets pressed a couple of times. There's one in As Tears Go By, which is really good.
1: King Express in the bar.
0: Yes, yes.
3: Jack, uh, so so I've seen The Mood for Love. Sam seems to think I should be watching uh, Fallen Angels. Was it Sam?
2: As Tears Go By. As
0: Tears Go Uh, By.
3: As okay, as the world turns. Um oh Jack, what 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 should I watch next? What 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 would be a good
1: I think if you've already seen in the mood for love, Chunking Express would be my number two suggestion.
2: Andy, who are you gonna listen to? Are you gonna listen to me, your podcast co host, or are you gonna listen to Jack and Quentin Tarantino? Who are you gonna let li- okay. you gonna listen to? Uh-
3: <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go on the record here as saying something kind of controversial, Sam. I'm not gonna take any of your recommendations into account because I feel like Tessa is going to uh, manipulate you into making my life miserable if she gets the chance. Because uh I, don't I need her help for that. I because I am correct about uh the quality of uh of um trekking stars or whatever it's called.
0: You know, Last week was a good week. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. It's time to move on.
3: Yeah.
2: We're You're right. Yeah. We're not here to talk about sci-fi or any kind of futuristic storytelling. Huh. <laughs> Do you see what I did? Yeah.
3: Yeah, that okay. That's a good transition. Thanks. That 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 is actually a really good transition. But also, uh I in the mood for love, I did uh jump up when I saw that the room number that their love nest is uh 2046
0: yeah the 2046 he has like a little i hate the term easter egg because it's so overused now but like easter eggs and needle
3: drops yeah easter egg
0: oh gosh is that the <laughs> name of a sparks brothers album or sparks album easter eggs and needle drops <laughs> Please stop.
2: <You're> hurting me.
0: <laughs> yeah so 2046 2046 is the 2004 spiritual sequel, very loose spiritual sequel to In the Mood for Love. It is also a romantic drama with a science fiction twist. It follows the same character, Chow Mo Wan, who's played by Tony Leung still, after he becomes a science fiction writer and navigates his inability to commit after the end of his relationship in the mood for love. Spoilers. Uh, this is literally the yeah. beginning of the film. And- the, the narrative is transposed with images and narratives from his cyberpunk science fiction novel, which is entitled 2046. The film also, which we didn't mention this when we talked about In the Mood for Love, but it also pulls on one of the tropes from In the Mood for Love where uh, Chow Mo Wan is telling her about whispering a secret into a tree and then covering it with mud. Twenty forty six literally begins with someone whispering a secret into a tree.
3: So, so I'm going to be a pedant here. Uh, that that scene in In the Mood for Love is uh, him talking to his old man friend, not uh, her.
0: Oh, well, you've seen it more recently than I. But yeah, y- like yes, I have. Giving giving the get, telling the secret to a tree or to a wall, and then like covering it up. That is also how Twenty Forty Six begins, Jack. Had you seen 2046 before this last weekend when you watched it for the pod?
1: It was my second time, but the first time was only like two months ago or maybe a month gotcha, and a half ago.
0: Gotcha.
1: So it was a more recent watch for me. I Once I kind of figured out what it was trying to do, I really liked it. It was definitely, it's hard to be a sequel to a movie that is many consider one of the best movies of the 21st century and maybe even more. So, I think it had hard work to follow and I think once you kind of realize what it's doing, it's a very solid movie.
0: And when I say that it's like the spiritual sequel, it is the same character and it does allude to the events in in the mood for love, but it's not it's not really continuing that story very much. It's like
3: so are you saying it's like Memento and The Dark Knight Rises? What? Memento and The Dark Knight Rises. The the cinematic the, the universe doctor... of
0: Christopher Nolan.
3: Right, right. The the doctor who sees Br- to Bruce Wayne's uh, knee is the same doctor from Memento. Sure. No, it, it is played by <laughs> Thomas Lennon. He he has he has confirmed they are the same character.
0: Okay. All right. No, it's a so, little bit so, more. It's a little bit more connected than that. But it's. Not... Are, are you sure?
3: Because you said loose. That's pretty loose. <laughs> but, I came up with something pretty loose there, Tessa.
0: <laughs> but it's not like like you're not seeing the continuation of like that relationship. You're seeing like the after effects on a character. But it is a very different film as far as like tone, and narrative. I guess. Uh, what did you think of the cyberpunk sequences, Jack?
1: They were very, they felt true to Wong kar vision and way of making films um, in that they were sci-fi but on kind of like not on a big budget minus the kind of CGI effects but the like when you see the visuals of the novel it's kind of just t- um, made in a way that you wouldn't see in like a Hollywood movie it kind of felt perfect for him
0: I thought they were really beautiful like you said they weren't super expensive or high-tech but it was at the same time just just a strange cyberpunk world and I, I it's what I wanted cyberpunk 2077 to be but We didn't really, you don't really spend a lot of time there. You just sort of see these glimpses of this world and the things that are happening in the novel that sort of parallel uh, Chao Mo Wan's relationships and the stuff that's going on in his life. So it's almost like it's being used very judiciously. Although I did also find it interesting that the dialogue in the cyberpunk scenes are in Japanese, whereas the dialogue in the rest of the film is, is in Cantonese.
1: They, um... I think actually all three of the main women are speaking a different language. If I remember correctly, he's always speaking, I think, in Mandarin. But the women, I think, are speaking different languages.
3: I need to go, but I have to drop this pun before before I leave because I know that this movie isn't considered one of Wong Kar Wai's best. So, is it his cyber funk?
0: No. 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 no.
3: That's a good pun. It's not. <laughs> yeah, so
1: Mr. Chow speaks Cantonese, Beiling speaks Mandarin, and Tok speaks Japanese, even when they're talking to each other.
0: Yeah, I, I just found that so interesting because it's not that he is really shied away from using other languages before. I mean, we definitely see the use of English in some of his films, but this one seemed to really embrace like multilingual filmmaking, and it did it in a way that didn't really feel awkward, like there's even a scene in uh, "As Tears Go By" where somebody—it's—it's it's played as a joke where somebody says something in English, and he's like, "You know, I don't speak English very well," but this, like, it—it it, it actually took me a minute to realize that they were talking in different languages, and I only knew it because of the sound. Like, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's yep. not—that's Japanese," and so I—I I thought that that was really interesting.
1: I mean, we're not talking about it in depth, but. Kind of similar in Happy Together where they're speaking Spanish, speaking in Mandarin, and then speaking in some English too, and they just don't really fully, they just kind of go in between the languages very fluidly.
2: I'm really glad that Andy left, because I'm going to say something. Every time I think about 2046, it takes me about 30 seconds to remember we're not talking about Ang Lee's movie Lust Caution it's just I which I guess that tells you I think that one's a better movie um and I'm going to watch it too oh god he's still here anyway I just you know so the thing I think that's wrong with 2046 I, I actually thought about it and I, I realized what the problem is you remember how Chungking Express and Fallen Angels were supposed to be one movie but then he split it up and added the other part to Fallen Angels that's what 2046 is it's actually what if he took three stories and slammed them together in a two hour plus movie. It doesn't work. At least not this version of it. So I think I think that's part of the problem because I look at the um I look at the the, the plot summary. Oh, oh yeah, I like that part. Okay, I like that part too. Well, I like that part too. Why didn't I like this movie? Lost Caution, I think, is longer. I liked it better. But, you know, I, I just think it's not constructed correctly maybe he was on to something with splitting up chunking express and fallen angels
0: i don't know well i mean i think one of the big criticisms that some people have of Juan car Wai is that he kind of refuses to accept the three-act structure like the the traditional plot narrative and i think that this movie it feels more episodic than it does like a traditional plot and you kind of have to just relax into it. But yeah, I don't think it's as perfect of a film as In the Mood for Love is. But it is still very, it's still like highly enjoyable, especially if you're just kind of there for the vibe, right? Everybody's smoking too much and listening to music and like how beautiful Hong Kong is. Like there's a lot here. And if you like the cyberpunk aspects too. Totally
1: agree. And I I also just found his, it was interesting to see his relationships evolve with each of the romantic interests too from where they start and versus where they end and they kind of his relationships with each of them kind of ends a little differently from each other so it was kind of nice to see both he changed and the relationships change
0: i also think too that I, I don't know how I would have felt about this movie if I hadn't seen In the Mood for Love first, because I think you do bring a lot of investment to the character of Chow Mo Wan in this movie, knowing what happened to him. And I think it reads almost more like a like the aftermath of trauma, right? Like the aftermath of something terrible happened to him and he can't love again. He can't trust anyone. He can't have that, you know, relationship the way that he had with her. And it's just I don't know. That's the other thing about this movie is that, like, I I can't go back and unwatch In the Mood for Love and then watch this movie. And so I do wonder. I mean, you almost do have to watch them together.
2: I mean, it's it's hard when you've been alive for a thousand years.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) All right. Okay. So let's do some rankings. So, Jack, have you seen all of Wong Kar Wai's films? As of this point? I have,
1: I have seen all of them, including many, uh, at least half of them twice.
0: Ooh, okay. So this should be a yeah. good ranking. Let's hear your, your Wong Kar Wai ranking.
1: I'll start. I'll go from 10 to 1. So 10 is My Blueberry Nights, the English-speaking movie with Nora Jones. Asher, um, number 9 of Ashes of Time Redux, which is his attempt at a big epic. Number 8, I have Fallen Angels, which is his second attempt at a gangster type movie, which, as Sam mentioned before, was supposed to be part of Chunking Express and got separated. Number seven is Days of Being Wild, which includes a small preview for In the Mood for Love if you catch it. Most of these movies, so Fallen Angels, Days of Being Wild, As Tears Go By, are all four stars for me out of five. Number six, As Tears Go By, I really liked it, but it's just hard when the top five are as good as they, great as they are. Number five, I have 2046. I thought it was very visually interesting and kind of a, his attempt at sci-fi while keeping also romance. Number four, I have Happy Together, his queer movie, about a toxic relationship, and also a movie that takes place in South America, which was his first movie outside of Hong Kong. Number three at the Grandmaster, specifically the Chinese version, it is the story of the guy who the Ip Man who taught Bruce Lee martial arts, and it is awesome. Number Two is Chungking Express, which is my personal favorite of his movies. I just think that In the Mood for Love is his best movie. But Chungking Express is one of my favorite movies of all time. Can't talk about it enough. And as I mentioned before, number one, In the Mood for Love.
0: Chungking Express is so good. I love that movie. That's a good ranking. Sam, do you agree with his ranking? Do you rank Wong Kar Wai films a little differently?
2: I think you know that I do, and I don't think I've changed from when we talked about this last time. Uh, I, As Tears Go By is my favorite, In the Mood for Love, underneath that, Chunking Express, after that, I think Fallen Angels, and then 2046. And I'm not really certain My Blueberry Nights is at the end of the ones I've seen. It's just I haven't seen it in a real long time. I don't feel badly about that movie at all. So yeah, that's it. I mean, I gave
1: it three and a half stars. Just everything else, again, actually, the time three and a half stars. Everything else is just four and stars, four stars and above. So
0: it's hard when all of your movies are good. Like, how do you? That's a terrible problem. Yeah, how do you? I mean, like all of these movies, dear listeners, you should watch. Like, I am planning on watching the rest of them. All right, I I think mine is a little bit closer to Jack's. Uh, I have so I've only seen five of his films. Fallen Angels is at the bottom for me. Uh, over that is 2046, and then as tears go by, Chungking Express, and then at the very top is In the Mood for Love. Although, like Jack, I actually think that I like Chunking Express more than I liked In the Mood for Love. But I think as a film, In the Mood for Love is one of those few perfect films. Like, it, there's nothing about it I would change. So it's it's hard to it's hard to really compare those two. All right, tune in next week. Sam reviews *High School Musical: The Musical: The Series*. All right, where can you find us online, Jack? Where can people find you online, and do you have anything you would like to plug?
1: I have nothing to plug. I just a pe I regularly guest on podcasts. I don't oh, or host any. I can be found at on Twitter at Jack Tweets Wife, and then at Letterbox at. Uh, jack loves cinema.
0: Are you a jack of many podcasts, but master of none? Why would you
1: do that? Uh, one might say that. <laughs> Why
0: would you do that? I couldn't. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. That's, that's 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 on me. He that's leaves, on me. He
2: leaves for five minutes, and you just make all the jokes yourself.
0: <laughs> sam, where can people find you online?
2: Asleep. <laughs> on Twitter at sam underscore morris nine.
0: Wait. So are you asleep on Twitter? like are there videos of you asleep on twitter no okay you can find me on twitter and Letterboxd at suela tessa suela is spelled s-w-e-h-l-a send us your thoughts about the monkeys we talked about today what pop culture you've clo- what pop culture you've crossed off your list lately that is a tongue twister. What you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes or anything else that comes to mind, find us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Our theme song is Hot shot by Scott Holmes and can be found on Scottholmesmusic.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get that monkey off your back.